Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 19th of June 2013. Now, newcomers, please use CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website to find lots and lots of audios for free download where I go through the system that we're all born into and I show you uh, the organizations that sprung up a lot, about 100 years ago or more to bring in their own version of the world society that they plan for themselves. And, of course, it was run by very, very wealthy men, the wealthiest men on the planet, big international bankers, in fact, who already run the city of London, uh, New York, and a whole bunch of other places across the world by that time. And they planned to bring in a society that was manageable for them, uh, to be manageable with ease too. But they brought science on board with the with the psychology, behaviorists, and so on. Now it's neuroscientists too, all working in big, big think tanks, which they, they have going 24 hours per day on all aspects of society to make sure the general public are herded properly in this big world into the new global society, uh, a planned society, of course. And everything comes from the taxpayers at the bottom. All produce does too and all the taxes. And that's really your function is to produce and, and get taxed today and keep all the big corporations going. So, including governments, which are just corporations, by the way. And, um, and uh, they planned, as I say, to bring it in perfectly. So they get little problems from the general public. And that's how we're managed. Very, very simply, very easily too. It's well documented. There's lots and lots of uh, articles put out there by uh, some of the psychological associations that work for them, in fact and many, many universities too, which all take grants to also find ways to, to, to do testing on the public and behaviorist uh, examinations and so on and tests. So remember too, you bring me to you, you're the audience to bring me to you. I don't, bring, I don't sell lots of products and various things like that. And I don't bring you sensationalism because after all, you're living in a big con. We could be more sensational than that. And uh, if you want to keep me going, you can buy the books, hopefully, and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com or donate. Uh, and to do so, remember from the USA, Canada, personal checks are still good, or international postal money orders from the post office are still good to Canada. Uh, you can send cash or use PayPal, and across the world, Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal. Remember, straight donations are really welcome because it costs an awful lot to do what I'm doing here, and it's not uh, anything a sane person would do because you need teams of people to do what I'm really doing, and there's no life whatsoever in doing this. One reason I came out at the time was to to try and get the Patriot system going into a different direction, to realize the big, big picture instead of the, the navel-gazing that they've been doing in the past. And it has worked, actually, awfully well. Now everyone knows that the international groups run the world, and democracy is a joke. It's always really been a joke, mind you. It's kind of a placebo. It looks like a real pill, but it's not. And it stops you having revolutions and rebellions and so on. Because you know, always thinking vote a better bunch in next time, who always promise that they're more honest and kind and they'll take care of business and so on. And we fall for it every time because we have an optimism center in the brain, they say. And, uh, and unfortunately it seems to be an overdrive, I think, these days because people really hope, really live in hope that you get honest people coming in there, not multimillionaires or, or wannabe multimillionaires because the politicians are when they leave office. Remember, they're all multimillionaires and, uh, and they get lots and lots of, uh, 
freebies given to them and grants and directorships for, for the, from the lobbyists and the big corporations for getting certain laws through for them. So we live in what we would call corruption at the bottom. At the top, they don't call it that. They call it just business. It's business, you see. And what they do technically is legal. What's not legal, they change the laws to make it legal. And now, of course, all politicians, as you know, in the U.S. especially, and other countries too, can uh, get insider trading information from the NSA, who, who sees who's doing what and what's coming up, and they get the first tips, you see. So they make sure it's, it's legal for them to do that, but it's illegal for you to do it. Because they're special people, you understand. Special people. Different wombs. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. Now I've mentioned many times before, for those in control, and there really are people in control, and it's not the ones that you think, that you, you think that you vote in and so on. Uh, they're under control too by their bosses, and the bosses of course are the wealthiest people on the planet. Uh, really it's organised crime, only it's not crime at all, because they legalise all, you see. And no one's going to talk about it, etc. But uh, you go into the whole system that we live in under, and it's always really been what we call at the bottom call corrupt. It's always been that way. Money and usury and all the rest of it is corruption. Money is a means of exchange. You don't make money off of money. Once you start that, you get debt, and then you get compound interest, then you can never pay it off, and then you're really in trouble. And the boys who obviously manage that become the bosses. You see, it's very simple. But it can't go on forever. Uh, and then you have crashes and all the rest of it, then they devalue your currency or bring out a new currency at half the value, and then they get on with it. That will still happen yet, it was, of course. But you find certain people are going to these kind of positions uh, as apart from the, the or contrast the average crook. The average crook will start at the street level and, and smash windows and grab things at the stores and so on. Uh, the cleverer ones simply try to use money or where money's going to come into, in other words, official positions. Even in local mayorships, you'll get this. Last year I read an article about a woman in the States who ended up owning racehorse tracks and everything and, and champing racehorses. And she was the overseer, the, the one who took care of the books for uh, just an area in the States. Uh, 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 a particular area, but a few thousand people actually as residents. And she handled all their tax money. And she'd scam millions of them, of, of, of a few thousand people. So even being a local mayor in a small place is awfully lucrative. And that's why a lot of people go in for that. And, and it's always the same kind of people who head for it, you see. And their families get into it too. And of course, it's like up here, you wouldn't know, for instance, how many times they actually shovel the snow on your road, which is very seldom here, and, and things like that, or what they're putting down for re-graveling the road, resurfacing. You never know. All this stuff goes down in the books. And it's probably never happened for years that anything's actually been done. But according to the books, it's a different story. Where'd the money go? Things like that, you see. And, of course, once you get into city levels, then it's big, big money. And you find in Montreal, in Canada, it's, it's kind of Canada's version of New York. And it says, so it's a mayor they got in, you see, who's, who, who said he was going to fight all the sleaze in Montreal because it's always been run by a particular type of mafia, which isn't Italian. And it says here that uh, the mayor of Montreal, who came to power promising to clean up corruption scandals plaguing the city, has been arrested on fraud charges. 
Michael Applebaum faces 14 charges, including defrauding government, abuse of confidence and corruption. Applebaum took over as interim mayor of Canada's second largest city last November after former mayor Gerald Tremblay resigned amid corruption allegations. The corruption and collusion will no longer be tolerated, Commissioner Robert Lefrenier of Quebec's anti-corruption unit said. No one's above the law and you cannot hide from the law. Well, it depends who you are because the law protects you if you're very, very special. It says the charges stem from alleged acts that occurred before Applebaum became mayor. While officials offered few details, it said it related to property projects between 2006 and 2011 when he served as a borough mayor. Applebaum 50 had promised not to run in the upcoming election June November, but his appointment was enough to make history. He became the first English-speaking mayor of the city in exactly 100 years. Signs of trouble arrived soon afterward. Anti-corruption officials raided Montreal City Hall last February. They also targeted offices in various boroughs, including one uh, Applebaum represented for many years. His arrest comes just months after Gilles Villancourt, the, the former long-time mayor of neighbouring Laval, was arrested on corruption charges as well. The provincial police alleged that the City Hall uh, Villancourt led was essentially a criminal organisation. The City Hall, the whole City Hall, it's like Toronto too, mind you, with officials there allegedly enriching themselves off local construction deals. As I say, you don't know what to put down in the books. And generally it's about 90% things which hadn't been done at all, but the money's all been pocketed. It says, in the neighbouring province of Ontario, Toronto Mayor Rob Ford, who leads Canada's largest city, is facing unrelated allegations when he appeared in a video smoking crack cocaine. And so, but Montreal is famous for this uh, particular mafia. And uh, it's very cosmopolitan that the people who who run the place say they love uh, Montreal for that. And they make a lot of money off it, uh, off all the deals. You understand, even a city, all the contracts they get out every year. All the contracts for construction and repairs and all the rest of it, and they get kickbacks. It's all arranged to see that there's so much a percentage kickback on every big contract you hand out to your pals. So this is the reality. This is reality, folks, and it's always been this way. Same across the state, same in Britain, same everywhere. This is, see, to get a people who are compliant, the general population who are always shocked, they're always feigning shock when they get stories like this, it's because you've been trained to be incredibly naive. It's your training. You have been trained. You're still being trained all through your life. For which you don't even understand or know about. But that's, uh, that's the usual thing. And of course, once you get up to the federal level, it is, oh boy, yeah, it's, it's, it's not just a half a million here and there. It's way up there. Also to this article too, it's quite good. It says, Arise Sir Andrew Hall for services to the public health age of autism. The chair of the UK's Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation, Professor Andrew Hall of the Gates Foundation-founded London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, received a knighthood today in the Queen's birthday honours. Meanwhile, the scandalous history of the JICV1 is recounted uh, by Dr. Lucidia Tomjanovic of British Columbia University in her paper presented to the British Society for Environmental Medicine. I'll put this up tonight. Continues to go unaddressed. Dr. Tomajinovic's paper was already widely recognized as one of the most damning indictment of science and government cronyism ever assembled. 
brief are some quotes from the paper. It says, deliberately concealing information from parents for the sole purpose of getting them to comply with an official vaccination schedule could be considered as a form of ethical violation or misconduct. Official documents obtained from the UK Department of Health and the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation reveal that the British health authorities have been engaging in such practice for the last 30 years, apparently for the sole purpose of protecting the national vaccination programme. Here I present the documentation which appears to show that the JCV1 made uh, continuous efforts to withhold critical data on severe adverse reactions and contraindications to vaccinations to both parents and health practitioners. Now, you're supposed to, by by law, be told all of this information prior to getting injections and deciding yourself, but you're not. In fact, no one is. So it says in health practice, in order to reach overall vaccination rates, so it's more important to lie to you to get the, the vaccination rates up, you see. And it says, as a result of such vaccination policy promoted by the JCV1 and DH, many children have been vaccinated without their parents being disclosed. The critical information about demonstrated risks of serious adverse reactions one that the, the, the organization appeared to have been fully aware of. It would also appear that by withholding information, this, this organization neglected the right of individuals to make an informed consent concerning vaccination. By doing so, they may have violated not only international guidelines for medical ethics, which is the Helsinki Declaration of International Code of Medical Ethics, but also their own code of practice. Uh, it's, it's a, I think it's a PDF goes with this too, and I'll put it up tonight to let you see how you're conned all the time. And, of course, there's big, big farmers behind it, too. And, of course, these guys, too, the chair of the UK's Joint Committee on Vaccination and so on, all these guys that get massive, massive kickbacks and big prezzies. You know, you know that. You know, this is how the world really is, folks. Wising up. Also, this article comes out, too, which is a bit of a joke. It says, Banking Commission says that bankers should face threat of jail and loss of bonuses. Senior bankers should face the, 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 all this because if they are involved in future banking collapses, according to a report by cross-party group of members of parliament and peers. And the government has been urged to introduce a new criminal offence for senior persons who run banks in a reckless manner. Uh, that's very vague, eh? Reckless manner, that'll get ripped apart in court by the defendants. As well as more, more stringent clawback rules that could see managers being stripped of several years' worth of pay. And retired member of parliament, chairman of the Commission of Banking Standards, warned that bankers would escape personal responsibility for their actions and said that drastic reforms were the only way to restore trust in banks. Actually, it's not. It's just to close them all down and get your, your central bank, your own one, to, to, to create its own money, interest-free. But that will never happen because we're run by corruption. Also, Bill Gates buys into the world's largest security company. You know, the guy's a great philanthropist. He wants to save the world and all that. It's a front man, you know. He didn't invent anything in his life. Uh, maybe some of the lies he was told to say, maybe he kind of embellished them a bit, but he's a front man for the big NSA boys who wanted one big organization to put out one system in the computers. And, of course, that's why they gave the Microsoft. But it says the world's richest man, the world's biggest security company are working on the same team. Gates, the Microsoft founder and philanthropist, has been revealed as an investor in the G-Force. That's the guys that have the big, massive prisons. They also have, uh, they, they rent out uh, armies, basically, and security guards. They run Israel's prisons for the Palestinians and, and stuff like that. So uh, he's one of the biggest investors now with a stake of more than 3%. G-Force was a security company accused of bungling security at the 2012 London Olympics 
An investment is divided between the charity run by him and his wife. Oh, the charity is always a scam by the charity. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Remember, of course, when you go into the, to, to Melinda and Bill himself, uh, the daddy, especially of Bill, was up there as in Planned Parenthood for depopulation of the unfit. You go into it and see yourself. Everything is intergenerational with these characters, right back to the revolutionary days. Security giant is working to restore its reputation after its chief executive, Nick Buckles, quit last month after a profit's warning saw that shares in the G-Force plummet nearly 15% in a day, the latest in a string of embarrassments. And before last year's Olympics fiasco, when a failure to provide enough staff resulted in the army having to be called in, angry shareholders forced the abandonment of a £5.2 billion takeover of the Danish cleaning group ISS in 2011. With GeForce announcing yesterday that Mr. Gates' stake had risen to 3.2% by the purchase last week of some 6 million shares, a company for the company, uh, a spokesman said a meeting between the two parties would be arranged. So, everything's going well for philanthropists all over the world as they you know, get fatter and fatter with their coffers. It's great cover though, isn't it? I'm a philanthropist. I'm a phila- if Adolf Hitler had said he was a philanthropist, he, he might have won. Maybe the whole world would have backed him. Me? Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, talking about the big system. Of course, it's kind of monotonous, isn't it? Because it's always with us and it's always a con. And we're brought up with cons and, of course, skies and television with very straight faces can tell you the most amazing things, including your news anchors, because you're taught to trust them, you grew up with them. It says, Brit Banks in one billion pounds plus Asian cyber probe. It's the same thing as the LIBOR scandal. In other words, they're fixed, rigging it all overseas currencies as well for interest rates. So the British banks have been ordered to set aside more than one billion pounds over suspected rate manipulation in Singapore. At least three UK-based global banks have been told to allocate the provisions over Singapore interbank offered rate cyber. The decision comes less than a year after the banking industry was rocked over rate manipulation in London-based LIBOR scandal. The Monetary Authority of Singapore ordered Bank of, Royal Bank of Scotland, most of which is owned by the, the British government, uh, to set aside £510 to £612 million, as you say, uh, well, Barclays and Standard Chartered have been told to prepare a provision of between £200 million to £300 million each. It's been set aside to cover deficiencies and risks as part of the Singaporean review of activity between 2007 and 2011 and be held for 0% interest rates for a year while MAS considers how to improve controls on benchmark rates. It says 133 traders between these banks were found to have tried to influence these benchmarks. And it says it will make rate rigging a criminal offence. Well, good luck in finding it. These, understand, uh, everything today is big international corporations and, and monopolies. They have monopolies, you see. They'll work together for their own self-interest to influence everything. But Barclays and all the rest of their usual culprits are all involved in this, but it doesn't make any difference, does it, really? Also, this Article 2 is called the Integration of Canada into a U.S.-dominated North American Security Perimeter. And I'll put it up tonight, so I've read it before, but it says Canada's Prime Minister recently addressed the CFR, Council on Foreign Relations, a globalist think tank, it's more than just a think tank, who have been a driving force behind the push towards deeper North American integration. The US and Canada are now further advancing the agenda through the Beyond the Border Agreement. 
Both countries are increasing bilateral border transportation and infrastructure coordination. It includes a common approach to border management, security and control, also integrating an information sharing system that would be used to track everyone crossing the US-Canada border and entering or leaving the continent. Without much fanfare and seemingly little resistance, Canada's being assimilated into a U.S.-dominated North American security perimeter. Well, that's the agenda, remember, of the, the, the Council of Foreign Relations, which is just a branch of the Royal Institute for International Affairs, private organization, that came up with the global plan for, for integration and into uh, amalgamation of countries into blocks, trading blocks. And this is part of the block, of course. And May, the Conservative government highlighted the benefits of the U.S.-Canada Beyond the Border Action Plan, Announced back in 2011, it says the deal focused on addressing security threats at the earliest point of possible and facilitating the lawful movement of people, goods and services into Canada and the U.S. and creates long-term partnership to improve the management of a shared border. The goal is to further increase security, economic competitiveness and prosperity through numerous measures, including reducing border wait times and improving infrastructure at key crossings to speed up legitimate trade and travel. The Beyond the Border Executive Steering Committee recently met to discuss objectives that have already been achieved and the work that still needs to be done. Another important facet of the Economic Security Perimeter Agreement is the Regulatory Cooperation Council Action Plan, a stakeholder dialogue session planned for June 20th, which will review its implementation progress and will seek further input regarding the next stage of US-Canada regulatory integration. Now, they're integrating your economic systems, all your securities integrated together, all information sharing. And once you, but once you start integrating your economic systems, then all your laws must change. That's what happened to Europe step by step. And they had to harmonize all their laws to match all the rest of them uh, for, the, for this European Parliament system. And the same thing's happening here. So I'll put this one up tonight too. And also, it's interesting, this is the World Socialist website that uh, does the opposite, of course. There's always big groups playing the, the you know, tennis matches all playing the same game for dominance. But anyway, some of the articles are pretty good. And it says NSA's Canadian counterpart runs massive domestic spying program. And it shows you, as I mentioned it before, but I'll do it again, because it shows you how uh, when the U.S. are forbidden to spy on certain people inside their own country, they'll ask the Canadian ones to do it for them, and vice versa. And Britain does it for us too, member too. This is how they'll play this game. They'll play this game forever, even all through the Cold War. So it says, on the basis of secret agreements with directives, Canada's national security apparatus is conducting mass surveillance of Canadians parallel to, if not directly patterned after, domestic spying operations of the U.S. National Security Agency. Communications Security Establishment Canada, the NSA's Canadian counterpart and long-standing partner, has been scrutinizing the metadata of Canadians' electronic communications since at least 2005. Moreover, the NSA routinely provides Canada security agencies with intelligence on Canadians and SCEC reciprocates by providing U.S. intelligence officials with information about people living in the U.S., etc., etc., etc. I'll put this up tonight, too. And it's quite interesting, too. Capital One hires U.S. immigration chief to oversee compliance, it says. And it says Capital One Financial Corps, the bank that agreed to pay $210 million to settle U.S. charges of deceptive marketing, in other words, corruption, of, of credit card products, hired the nation's top immigration official to head compliance operations. Y'all feel better now, eh? Y'all feel better about that now, don't you? John Morton, Director of U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, will join the McLean, Virginia-based lender in August as a senior vice president. Tatiana Stead, a spokesman, uh, said... 
today in an email statement. Compliance is a high priority for a company and we couldn't be more pleased. You'll be joining our team, Stead says. Do you know how much money there is in, in, and under the table money for immigration in all countries? It's big, big business. And these lawyers that, that the states provides are breaking it in. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're cutting through the matrix and... Everyone's heard of the Met Office in Britain, and, and of course they work with the, uh, the university too. Uh, there's been so many scandals to do with the leaked emails because there's a big social agenda behind all this, this uh, weather manipulation and so on to bring in carbon taxes and controlling the way that we live. That's really what it's about. And they're all getting paid massive grants from all the big corporations that, are, that stand to make lots and lots of money, not just from the taxpayers doing big lump sums for different projects and greening and all this kind of nonsense. But uh, but uh, it's, it's an awful agenda, of course. But they're going to go through with it regardless, no matter what it takes. And of course, the geoengineering had been since 1998 to manipulate the weather. And even the geoengineers said before they started it all, even though they, 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 it's amazing how they say, well, yeah, we've done some, and then they'll, they'll, they'll say, well, no, we're not doing it yet. Uh, oh, and then they're back to, we've done some in the past. And, and that, of course, they're not to tell the general public, because you see, you're, you're down at the bottom. You're not supposed to be in the know. But they've been geoengineering us daily, actually, since 1998, and loading the sky with a, with a dose of toxic stuff, uh, aluminum and, and also barium and various other things. And, and even carbon in some places to try it out. But they did say if they got to a loading dose in the, up in the higher stratosphere, then eventually it could take a 100 years for this stuff to dissolve, even if they stopped. And they haven't stopped yet. So, And it could also cause catastrophic uh, climate uh, variations and so on. Severe weather, which we're getting. So the Met Office comes out and it says here, the UK's spell of awful summers is set to continue. That means pretty well for the world now, too. It says that uh, this is prospect of another gloomy Glastonbury and wet Wimbledon looms. Leading climate scientists have warned the UK could be set for a further five to ten years of washout summers. It's amazing how they can't tell you anything, but they can make these fantastic guesses. The grim conclusion was delivered after the unprecedented gathering of scientists and meteorologists at the Met Office in Exeter to debate the range of possible causes for Europe's unusual seasonal weather over recent years. And it is weather manipulation. That's what they're, I mean, I've got guys in, in different um, uh, flight organizations who keep in touch with me. And when they come into the big cities over London and stuff, they see them spraying it like crazy. And, of course, they end up with these massive downpours, etc. Many will have hoped for news of sunnier times ahead, but after they, they brainstormed through the day, they delivered the shock, finding the UK could be, could be the middle of a 10 to 20 year cycle of wet summers. The last six out of seven summers in the UK have seen below average temperatures and sunshine and above average rainfall. Now, there's a lot of these meetings going on right now because, you see, the big boys are having their, their international meetings on, on propping up uh, the, the falling carbon price market that the big boys are going to get lots of cash out of. I hope you understand that corporations have been given free uh, credits to start it all off, you see. They have been for years by the government, and they gamble them. 
hoping to get more cash out of it down the road. And, but, but the price of them per, per share has gone down. And I just read today, in fact, that the EU Parliament had injected billions of taxpayers' money into it to try to prop it up and get the price back up again. So it must be, you see, it's a whole brand new economy for all the, all the, the scum up there, uh, and dealing with invisible non- nothings. You know, how many carbon, oh, I've got, I've got 20,000 metric tons of it. Where, where do you keep it? You know, well, it's actually in an abstract place because it's rather an abstract thing. I mean, it's all, it's a great, it's the king has no clothes. It's beautiful. What a great, and we're all getting scammed, folks. It's one of the best scams yet for an awful long time. But that's the way it is, isn't it? That's how, how the world is run. And the Club of Rome founder, and the Club of Rome is one of the big think tanks that works with the CFR. And they also work uh, for the United Nations because the CFR, Royal Chief of International Affairs, owns and set up the United Nations. But it says the Club, of, the Club of Rome founder proposed global matrix of manufactured consent. I've talked about manufactured consent before over the years and how they do it. It says recently unearthed documents from the private collection of the former diplomat and Bilderberger regular George C. McGee have revealed, amongst other things, that the Club of Rome in 1970 wanted to create a global matrix approach, or G-matrix, they called it, as a means of bringing people into an enviro-eugenicist mindset globally. The Club of Rome was an influential think tank, still is, advocating, amongst other things, worldwide population reduction of the wrong kind of people, that is, and global environmental governance. In other words, they came up with the idea, they were given the task of finding a, a, a way to con the public of the world under some big threat, that they'd all come together and allow the masters to rule over them properly, you see. And the, the Club of Rome came up with the idea, as they said, that, oh, famine and, and stuff like that and, and, and severe weather, uh, stuff like that would fit the bill. They, they hit upon the idea and they haven't turned back yet. They said that would fit the bill, you see. Oh, they tried other things too, even, oh, invasions from outside. There's enough science fi- fiction out there to mind-bomb the public. Oh, they'll fall for that. No, they'll fall for this one. And it's still going on today. The author of the uncovered manuscript from 1970 was Italian industrialist Aurelia Pesci, who founded the Club of Rome in 1968. Pesci wrote that any acceptance of the club's conclusions relies heavily on global matrix approach. Furthermore, he writes that these conclusions by the infamous club, which includes advocacy of worldwide population reduction, can only be generally accepted through an iterative global and substantive process. It says, uh, through such a comprehensive process, writes Pessy, mankind can gradually attain a value-based consensus and avoid the prospects of a critical future situation. The work program exposition of the Club of Rome projects re- relies heavily on the global matrix approach. It therefore appears desirable to start the discussion of the work program by explicating the structure and utility of such a matrix. The uncovered documents from McGee's private collection states outright that the club has sought to manufacture a consensus in all layers of society in regards to the conclusions of the club's reports as published in the early 1970s. It should be pointed out that such a consensus is meant to provide the initial conditions for the operational evolution of the Club of Rome project Aurelia wrote in 1970. It should only be viewed as an exemplary value base whose universality, validity and credibility depends on the judgments of the Delphi Technique participants. For those who don't know what the Delphi Technique participants, read it up. 
Nevertheless, it will represent an attempt for a substantive and professionally coordinated delineation of the predicament of mankind. And that's the whole thing, crisis, crisis, predicament of mankind, and so on. The more groups engage in similar intellectual efforts, the more meaningful the dialogue on the worldwide problematic will become. And that's where you've got international meetings now, and it seems awfully important people believe it all, because all the important folk are attending, right? We're going to save you all from climate. It says this problematic is being described as a constantly widening cultural, economic, and technological gaps amongst nations, or the fearsome multiplication of the population on a finite planet, or the transnational phenomenon of youth rebellion, or the possibility of crossing the tre- threshold past which it would be feasible to manipulate human genetic material. The mention of the Delphi method in the context of this information snippet about a global matrix of manufactured consent is interesting. According to Wikipedia, the method has been widely used for business forecasting and other forecasting covering such topics as scientific breakthroughs, population control, automation, space progress, war prevention and weapon systems. As covered in an earlier article, the predictive systems and models of the Club of Rome were used by the Chinese to set up their brutal one-child policy. In 1970, a group of Chinese scientists visited several uh, scientific conferences in Europe and readily picked up the ideas distributed by the Club of Rome. The head of this Chinese uh, delegation was a man credited for introducing China's notorious one-child policies, source of so much hardship suffered by the Chinese people in the last decades. Robert Zubrin, senior fellow with the Center for Security Policy, published an op-ed in Washington Times reaffirming that Greenhaw's study is correct. And I'll put all these links up tonight, remember, on these... In June 1978, Song Jian, top-level manager in charge of developing control systems for Chinese guided missiles program, travelled to Helsinki for an international conference on control system theory and design. While in Finland, he picked up copies of The Limits to Growth, a blueprint for survival, publications of the Club of Rome, a major source of Malthusian propaganda, and made the acquaintance of several Europeans who were promoting their report's method using computerized systems analysis to predict and design the human future. To illustrate that the global matrix was further developed, the 1991 publication of the first global revolution, that was the Club of Rome too, uh, says, shows us that early on the common denominator was invented around which the world could rally. So a, a crisis had to be created to rally the world around it, thereby creating a common purpose. And that's what, this is what they said in their book, by the way. In searching for a new enemy to unite us, we came up with the idea. The idea, not facts or reality, the idea that pollution, the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine and the like would fit the bill. All these dangers are caused by human intervention and it's only through changed attitudes and behavior that they can be overcome. The real enemy then is humanity itself. That's, that was what they stuck on and it's been that ever since. The concept of a global matrix of manufactured consent as described and developed by the founder of the Club of Rome illustrates that the scam is perpetuated on such an unprecedented scale that up until a few years ago, few dared question its validity. And that's what they picked. For, and all the banks were on board with it too because they got lots of money coming out of it too. Remember, and all that kind of stuff. Also tonight too, I'll put up a, a link to do with uh, NSA headquarters across the planet. The nice pictures of it all. Oh, beautiful pictures, nice colorful blue pipes and everything. And, and all the stuff that, that cools these massive supercomputers that go all over the planet as we all go monitored across the world. Uh, the co-op bank that was failing in Britain too, of course, is to get a one billion pound rescue deal. Uh, in other words, uh, taxpayer funded. Uh, but also too, they also, also might get a haircut, meaning they'll, they'll, they'll grab the deposits as well. 
because I've read one article that said that they're considering uh, even down to $1,000 in the bank, by the way. They grabbed that as well, which, of course, they're going to do across the planet. Don't believe this $100,000 thing. When did banks ever tell you the truth? And also, um, an article says, co-op boss is looking for the best solution. And it actually says it here. It says around 7,000 investors, most of whom put just under $1,000 into the bank, will have that money swapped for shares. Well, worthless shares? What's the good of that? And as I've said before, uh, the Met office is meeting to see why our weather, it's a big crisis to see why our weather is normal, it says. As of lunchtime yesterday, the Met Office wasn't all sure how Britain's weather would turn out today. According to spokesman, some of its computer models were predicting a rather miserable day for some southern areas. Others suggested it would be fine and bright. That's, that's their special computers, you see. It gives you all the answers that you want, and they can pick one. Sometimes atmosphere can provide real challenges for forecasters, a spokesman admitted wearily. The problem right now apparently is a phenomenon known as a trough disruption, a common type of westerly weather whose course both computers and humans beings find it hard to predict. Still, the signs were, by the end of the week, the temperatures would be normal for June at about 20 degrees centigrade. Looking further ahead, there were likely to be more, uh, both some downpours and some nice sunny days. It's what you'd term typically British weather and far from a washout, the spokesman concluded. This is the one completely co- contradicting but, but the one I read earlier today, remember. And although summer only began officially in June the 1st, so far it's been relatively warm. A few cool days last week, notwithstanding. We've had freezing temperatures here in Canada. Last night it got down to to just uh, two degrees above freezing. Mind you, we get heavily sprayed here because I'm at the top of the jet stream. And if you went to the war- weather warfare treaties signed at the United Nations, you'll see that they, they could easily manipulate the jet streams. And they would dump their geoengineering staff uh, at the loops of the jet stream. I'm right on the darn loop where I am here. So I get a lot of spray in here. And it carries it from here and all the way down into New York and State and Buffalo. So they've been using this technique for years, you see. And then, of course, they load it up down around Michigan area, too, and it brings it up here. And then again, they reload it back up here. And also... An article too, it's, it's not bad one to do with drugs and so on. Uh, people have all forgotten about it too. It came out in 2012. And it says a high level player with one of the most notorious narco trafficking organizations in Mexico, the Sinaloa cartel contains that he has been working with the US government for years, according to pleadings filed recently in the federal court in Chicago. Jesus Vincente Zambada Niebla is the son of Ishmael El Mayo Zambada Garcia, one of the purported top leaders of the Sinaloa drug trafficking organizations. Zambada Niebla was arrested in Mexico March 2009. Last February, extradited to the United States to stand trial on narco-trafficking-related charges. The indictment pending against him claims he served as a logistical coordinator for the cartel, helping to oversee an operation that imported into the U.S. multi-ton quantities of cocaine using various means, including but not limited to Boeing 747 cargo aircraft, private aircraft, buses, rail cars, tractor trailers, and automobiles. The revelation that Zambada Niebla claims to have been a U.S. government asset working with its sanction is a shocking development in the so-called drug war and has gone largely unreported by the U.S. media. The claim of true adds credence to the credence to this theory is long in play that Mexican U.S. governments are essentially showing favor towards the Sinaloa drug organization and its leadership. In other words, the wars down there, that the U.S. is helping finish off the rivals, you see, uh, to keep the price up. 
And of course, the CIA has been involved in this stuff for years, for goodness sake. Uh, and there's excellent stuff out there on Bill Clinton, even uh, during his period in, in time when they were flying up in planes and landing it in Mina Arkansas. Anyway, that's the surreal world. It's a real, real world. And you don't get that kind of stuff on your ridiculous dramas you get on television. It's all propaganda of how they're all honest people at the top. Oh, what a great way to keep you all naive. And of course, the agricultural revolution, the UK uh, has been well bribed, of course, They're trying to push Europe to embrace GM crops. So the Environment Secretary will urge EU to relax restrictions on crop licensing. I wonder how many shares, free shares, is going to get that from Monsanto and the big boys. And Fox reporters, this is an old story I remember reading at the time, but it's been back in the news again. Fox reporters were fired. Uh, these reporters were actually hired. They were given a, a, a contract to do a report on Monsanto and so on. And when they came up with the truth about it all, they were fired because uh, uh, Fox was scared of a massive lawsuit from Monsanto. Fox News reporters Steve Wilson and Jane Acre uncovered the most, most of the milk in the U.S. and across some parts of the world is unsafe to drink due to Monsanto Corporation's Prozolac, which has been proven to be a cancer-causing growth hormone. This is what they pump into the cattle now. Known in short as BGH, BST, or BGH, but they were fired from attempting to inform people of the truth, it says. After a long court battle, the court dismissed whistleblowers' protection for the reporters because the court stated there was no law to force that the news must state the truth. I remember reading that at the time, that came out in the High Court, that the news does not have to state truth. There's nothing to do with stating truth. They can tell you whatever they want to do all the time. It's generally all lies. Uh, but so, no, there's nothing about news that must say that it's true. So there you go. It says that the news was, or is no different than other TV shows, reality shows, this type of deceitful corruption is not just Fox News, but includes almost all mainstream media. Self-research alternative news and information from multiple sources is one of the best methods to stay well-informed. Never trust or follow MSM. Mega corporations such as Monsanto, the corrupt FDA, has once again turned its back on the American public and has actually assisted in suppressing the dangers of the issue. I think it was on about milk and so on, and you got a 90% chance that it was from a cow injected with BGH bovine somatotropin developed by using recombinant DNA technology. You could be killing or harming your child every time you pour them a glass of milk, the same as pouring them a glass of slow-acting poison. And it's terrible for the cattle that are constantly lactating and have all these sores and stuff in, in their teats. And I'll be back with more after these messages. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. And in England too, this is the majority of doctors, nurses and frontline health workers were not vaccinated against flu last winter, the official figures reveal. And the health officials are very disappointed with the figures, which means that despite drives to improve uptake, only 45.6% of healthcare workers were vaccinated against seasonal influenza. So they've caught on to the fact it's all a scam anyway, of course, naturally. You don't understand, very few folk are tested for the actual virus. Do you know that? Remember during the so-called swine flu scare that wasn't? Uh, the, 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 the law came out and the rules came out that anybody who had a sniffle was to be diagnosed with having swine flu. Do you remember that? It was a year ago. And only about 1%, one out of every 100 would actually get a, a test done. 
and, and they're generally negative. It's the same with the regular flus too, folks. Yep. But it's great money for pharma, isn't it? Great money for pharma. Also, in BBC Radio Today, the wonderful programming, BBC is great because Tavistock created it, basically, the way of psychological manipulation of the masses. And uh, I was just reading this article here, and it says, a report published later suggests healthcare regulator in England may have deliberately covered up knowledge of its own failings. Food labelings to make clearer and more consistent for consumers. Of course, they add all these chemicals to it and call it food. And then the big one, it says, are men becoming gentler and adopting more feminized values? This is BBC. It's a great thing, that, isn't it? And following that, you have the MSNBC host asking her daughter on air if she would marry a girl when she grows up. Oh, they're all getting in the act, folks, eh? Isn't that just wonderful? And a new financial scandal bigger than LIBOR. It comes up from the UK column. I'll put that up tonight, too. And uh, this is an interesting one. It came out in Nova Scotia because, you see, I've talked about aluminum uh, being dropped massively. Uh, aluminum, of course, in the chem- chemtrails, and it's been discovered everywhere. Never get, everyone who tests it gets the stuff. It's in, in toxic proportions. It says, new culprit identified in chronic acid rain problems. So here's the official version, you see, because they've found that Nova Scotia is getting big problems now with aluminum in the water. So research from Environment Canada is offering discouraging news insights into the long-term impact of acid rain in Nova Scotia. Remember, acid rain went out 30 or 40 years ago. It's just that there's only, this is the only part of the world where acidity is not improving with major cuts in acid rain emissions, says Tom Clare, an acid rain scientist with Environment Canada. Well, you understand they've got another jet stream that loops right there over Nova Scotia, folks. And that's where the chemtrails are dumped, big time, just like here. And says this summer, uh, Claire published a study in the Canadian Journal of Fisheries Sciences, sampled two, 92 salmon rivers in Atlantic Canada, and they're finding high toxic levels of aluminum activated. Of course, they say activated by acid rain. No, it's not. It's coming down with the rain because, you see, it's geoengineering, folks. It's time this becomes part of your, your common everyday vocabulary because it's been over your heads since 1998. So I'll put this one up tonight too. And Obamacare weighs in and CVS tells employees to reveal personal health info or pay up. It looks like Obamacare may be rearing its head in the wake of the implementation of the Affordable Care Act, which isn't affordable, it's all for private insurance companies. CVS is telling its employees they need to reveal their height, weight, body fat, percent and other personal information for health insurance purposes. The Rhode Island-based company, which employs around 200,000 individuals, is telling workers who use its health insurance they need to have a wellness review done or pay up. CVS says it will pay for the health reviews and information will go to a third-party administrator of CVS's benefits, not CVS itself. According to the company, CVS bosses will not be able to access their employees' health records. Oh, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that, folks? At the bottom level of reality, folks, which isn't really reality at all, it's all manufactured for us. We're so simple, aren't we? And kept in utter naivety. And people watch television and dramas and soaps, all propaganda to keep you stupid and dumb. From Hamish Mosser from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your God's go with you.